Welcome to On Texas Football, a live chat with myself and uh, Justin Wells. Justin sporting the Orioles cap. They're trying to make the playoffs this year for the first time in like, I don't know, two decades maybe. Um, Justin, talking uh, Texas football here today. Uh, we're taking your questions live. Uh, we've got a couple from the Inside Texas message board uh, that we want to get to uh, as quickly as possible. Uh, then we have some other news and notes that are coming out. Uh, the humidor uh, is either set to be released or releasing uh, soon as well on Inside Texas. Uh, Justin, welcome in, bud. Morning, brother. <clears throat> Another Friday, man. We're getting closer. 15 days. <laughs> it is two weeks from tomorrow. The Longhorns have their final um, scrimmage of the season, of the preseason uh, tomorrow um, morning. Uh, Justin, a lot of talk about the quarterbacks coming out yesterday after Steve Sarkeesian made the comment that he knows who he thinks it's going to be. Uh, people uh, speculating, players and coaches, our players and fans alike, some media members. Uh, what are you hearing in that category? Um, I'm, I'm hearing some similarities that I, I think – I think he has a guy in mind. I think there's a guy that he feels like has is, is done the best up to this point. And I think he wanted to make sure both got the amount of exposure, the amount of influence, the amount of opportunity to seize this job. You know, last year, Hudson Card beat out Casey Thompson. He, he won the job right, right after the last scrimmage. And so – Sark had some familiarity there. He had some comfort there. Texas fans, for whatever reason, feel like Hudson Card can improve from his freshman to sophomore year. There, a lot of them are, are feel like it's resolute that he's just a bad quarterback, you know, playing in his first games ever, and that they can't get better. And I think that's beyond silly and ridiculous. But I do think Sark has one guy in mind. You were there with me on Tuesday night, you know, Quinn Ewers makes some really nice throws, step especially on deep balls. Everything else, Hudson Card does better, at least right now. And so I think this scrimmage is going to really solidify the ones and the twos. I think, you know, that they'll start ULM install on Monday. And so this scrimmage is going to be an opportunity to really solidify the last two weeks of camp, getting camps, getting reps, running with the ones. And and right now, I, I think Sark knows. I think Sark, like he said, he has a pretty good idea who it is. But he's given both these guys a shot, and you got to give him credit for that, Bobby. He's not he's not catering to the public. He's not catering to politics. He's catering to winning football games at Texas, and he's going to do exactly what he can, and he's going to put the best quarterback there he can. Yeah, I, I don't think that that anybody denies that he's looking to win football games, and so whoever he picks is is hit and is in his informed opinion, uh, the best uh, best player for the job at this time. Uh, I would I would I would say this from watching that practice. I would I would uh, disagree with you somewhat um, in saying that you thought Hudson Card did everything else better than the deep ball uh, in practice. Personally, I thought they were very very similar across the board, even on some deep balls. Frankly, uh, Ewers left one on the inside uh, on a deep route. Uh, that he that he should have thrown outside. Uh, Hudson Card hit the big deep one to uh, uh, to Brennan Thompson too. So I, I feel like they're just close across the board. I think if I gave the edge to anyone, it would be Hudson Card because of experience, uh, know how around the offense. I mean, the issue about uh, college football is this: um, the quarterback, you know, Quinn is just a freshman. Uh, really, should be just a true freshman. The quarterback doesn't need to know just his position. He needs to know all 11 positions on the field and what they're supposed to be doing Absolutely. as well as what the defense is trying to do to him. Right. And so I think that people get lost in that, in that sense as well. I uh, want to take away. Uh, thank you, Billy bird uh, for the donation there. That's nice. You guys, uh, if you do do that, we do appreciate it because it does take a time and effort. We also have a producer behind the scenes uh, named Matt Hutchison that helps us put these things on as well. Um, hey, I want to get to a question from inside Texas fans one of the first ones, and it got into a little bit of a discussion today on the Inside Texas board about Marcus Washington last year versus Casey Kane this year, who was the better Ooh. player. Um, you know, in, from your thought process, what are you uh, thinking there, and, and how do you feel about that, Justin? From a, 
physical standpoint, Marcus Washington is better from a physical standpoint. Um, long, big, big hands, strong kid. Um, last year, I think he had a, a case of the drops in, in, in crucial situations, whereas there were some times where he flashed. There were some times where we saw that four-star that Texas had to battle Ohio State to get. Um, Casey Kane is one of those guys that he didn't have the same kind of tape in high school that, that Marcus Washington did. He didn't have those same type of athletic characteristics. But Casey Kane is in Austin. Casey Kane decided, you know what? I'll get developed. You know what? I'll work at this. I'll train harder. I'll get that, that next star at the college level if they gave him. I'll, I'll, I'll make sure and step up. And so I'll say this. I think Casey Kane is more um, – He's 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 got more moxie because he's wanting to fight. He didn't want to take off and, and try to find a job somewhere else. You know, Marcus Washington is the guy that should be contributing to the 2022 Texas football team. Point blank. Let's not. There's no sugarcoating. Marcus Washington should be one of the regular receivers here. It didn't work out. He decided to go to Nebraska and hang out with Casey. And that's all good, good and well. Casey Kane decided, you know what? I, I didn't really play a whole lot. I'm just going to get back in the weight room. He's put on some weight. He went in the summertime. He went home in Louisiana and worked on his route running. He's always had good hands. Give Mike Urich a lot of credit for, for discovering that in Louisiana. He always had good hands. Now he just has to put it all together. And we've seen in a handful of practices, he can get deep on these seams, on these verts. And if you throw it out in front of him, he'll go out and get it. And so from a prospect standpoint, I always felt like Marcus Washington was a little bit better just from the physical attributes. But I love Casey Kane's mindset. I love his – he's – you know, this is a guy that people were telling him, well, you don't belong at Texas. Well, you, you shouldn't be at Texas. And Casey just didn't listen to anybody. All he did was go back to work. And this is the kind of kid you want in your program. I think every program, regardless of how good Casey Kane plays, needs this type of player. They need this type of guy. He's great for the locker room. And he's got a pretty good rapport with, with viewers already as well. Yeah, I, I think the big thing for me – um, I don't think they're that much different physically, actually. Like, I, I, I don't think that, you know, Marcus Washington is head and shoulders above Casey Kane physically or uh, faster, for that matter, even though Casey Kane's a, probably a 4.65 guy. I think the difference, biggest difference I see as a positive uh, for all of this is that I actually think that Casey Kane has more reliable hands uh, than Marcus Washington. Uh, and more likely to come down with a contested catch. You know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Right. Um, you know, I, I feel like that's that's one thing to go. You know what? Uh, I think this is a fair question, so we're going to grab it right now. Okay. Uh, since both both uh, from Mac mocked Chanel, um, since okay. both QBs will play against ULM most likely, who will get the nod against Bama? Fair question, Justin, or unfair question? I mean, I think it's fair. I think that's a fair question. Um, I mean, if we see both, let's let's talk in hypotheticals. Hudson Card starts against ULM. They go up 30, 35 points. Quinn Ewers comes in in the third, fourth quarter to get some reps. He looks fantastic. That's not going to change. He's going to be the starting quarterback for the next week. The only way that thing changes is if Hudson Card falls on his face against ULM. Ubers comes in, plays it incredibly well. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Then you would have to have a conversation. All right, looks like they're going to change quarterbacks. Last year, they did it after week two. This year, they're going to do it after week one. It would be a little bit of deja vu, if, if you will. But hypothetically, card starts. Ewers comes, in, Ewers comes in in the second half, you know, plays well. You don't supplant the starter because you're beating up on ULM. It just doesn't work that way. And so what you hope to see as a Texas fan is both quarterbacks play, both do well, both grab some confidence, 
and then go to Alabama knowing if something happens to one, you can rely on the other. All right. Let's ask this question. Uh, Travis gets to jump to the front of the line, although we have a bunch going. I also want to mention this as we're talking, getting ready to say something about recruiting. Jerry Hamilton uh, will be joining us at some point during the hour. He, of course, is traveling again today. Uh, I think I think he may be getting back to his house actually right now. So uh, he's going to join Justin and I for a little bit to talk a little bit more uh, recruiting. Hey, Justin, how many of the 2023 class are earlier enrollees and who and how many are on the offensive line? Um, Arch Manning, Cedric Baxter, Jonte Cook, uh, Andre Kojo, offensive lineman. He'll be in early. Peyton Kirkland, PK out of Orlando. He'll be uh, an early enrollee. Sadir Mitchell is going to be on campus early. Uh, Samaje Burrell, Darian Gallette, and if um, everything holds true, Jalen Hill. Oh, so is that a, is that uh, a comment? Kirkland, were you in Were you in Longview yesterday? Yes, yes. I went back to Longview. You know what's funny, man? I went back to go see Jalen. You know, one of the top uncommitted prospects in the nation. And, and on three is, is is staying in his hip. And I left seeing a four-star 2024 running back that I think Texas probably needs to offer. Texas A&M has, <laughs> uh, Oklahoma has, Washington, Oregon. He's got 25 offers, and none of them are from Texas. Taylor Tatum looked outstanding yesterday. He had three touchdowns on five carries. He had about 200 yards against a, a decent Texas high defense that's a little down. And so – um, yeah, <laughs> went and saw Jalen, hung out with him. Uh, you know, uh, it's status quo there, which for Texas fans, that's a good thing. Uh, he, he was ready to, to get out there and play and perform. And he didn't get a whole lot of run last night, which he wasn't going to. This was his fourth varsity scrimmage. I mean, his fourth year playing varsity in scrimmaging. And so, uh, you know what you have in Jalen. Um, he had one big catch on the first drive, about a 56-yard catch. But after that... Um, it was the Taylor Tatum show. And so they, 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 it, all I saw in Longview was a ton of young kids that are going to be really good, obviously starting with Hale and Taylor Tatum. Uh, and they got Willie Nelson, a safety that's got Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, UH, a handful of other offers. Yeah, his name's Willie Nelson. And let me tell you, he doesn't play the guitar, but he led the league. He led East Texas in interceptions last year with 13. And so this kid is incredibly instinctive. But yeah, I got to hang out in Longview and, and see Jalen and those guys and uh, got to catch up with those. And like I said, we'll have an update in the in the humidor. Now, I'll have a standalone probably later today or, or tomorrow with Jalen. Uh, but uh, Texas still looks fantastic, Bobby, and that's that's the best news I can relay. Yeah, no, I, I feel like Texas has got to keep pushing on those guys. Uh, you mentioned uh, the offensive linemen. What about Jaden Chapman uh, is he, and Trevor Goolsby? Do you know if they're midtermers? They're not. Okay. No, as of right now, what we know, it's PK, Peyton Kirkland, and Andre Kojo. So not as Connor Stroh, not Connor Stroh either. Not not to our knowledge, not to our knowledge. Okay. Now, that was our last update. We, we, we'll definitely keep checking. We keep digging because sometimes these things change. But right now, it looks like 2-0 linemen in Kirkland and Kojo. Um, a lot of fans want to know about what we thought about Tyreek Milton. Uh First time really seeing him in a lot of team action on Tuesday night, right? Um, given Isaiah Nayor's injury. Justin, where, you know, I, I talked with uh, Brian uh, Irwin last night, Coach Irwin. Uh, we posted that video this morning about it a little bit, about the receiver spot. Also talked with Eric and yourself uh, as well. You know, I, I think that there's a level here that, we need to not oversell Tyreek Milton because I think he can be a solid number three. I'm not sure he's an outstanding number three, if that makes sense. I think, I think that uh, Isaiah Nayor would have been an, outs an outstanding number two, much less an outstanding number three, right? So there, there's a level here that we need to, to tap the brakes on at the same time. Is he a solid player? Yes, he's a solid player. Would you agree with that take, Justin? Absolutely. Bobby, we saw that last week during practice. That was one of the guys that stood out. Him and Savion Red were the two guys that caught the ball the best early on. You know, and, and I know on Tuesday's practice, Red had a couple other good catches, had a couple good drops too. Uh, but Milton was solid. I don't think I've seen him drop a ball yet. Um, and don't forget, Matt Campbell, this wasn't a guy Matt Campbell wanted to lose. 
Iowa State was was hoping this kid would come back. And so it's one of those, when you brought him in, it felt like house money, kind of like a Jai Hall. They had so much, so many guys there already. It was just stacking chips. But now with injuries, now those guys are moving up. And Tariq Milton, listen, Bobby, he's got experience. You cannot put a price tag on that, especially at the college level. This cat has experience. He knows how to get behind DBs. He knows how to play different positions. That's the beauty of him. He's not in one spot. He's playing two or three spots because he's smart. This offense, if you want to find mismatches, these receivers have to be versatile. Tariq Milton fits that mold that Sark wants in this offense, Bobby. Um, speaking with Justin Wells of InsideTexas.com, uh, the source for, co- or for Longhorn football and recruiting information uh, for Longhorn fans. Uh, Justin, uh, we've got Jerry on uh, getting ready to, to come in here, but one quick question before we get to that. Do we think Isaiah Nayor's injury changed the quarterback race? I think that's a good question. That's a great question. That's a great question, Bobby, and you know why. Because the best rapport in the Texas locker room right now is Quinn Ewers to Isaiah Nayor. Those two guys, for whatever reason, look like they've been playing together since birth. There is a connection there. And the way that Nayor, that's when we talked about these injuries last week. I thought Nayor's injury was by far the worst, the worst for this team because of that element that he brought the offense and that he brought Quinn Ewers. It was almost like he was giving Ewers confidence because we saw him hit Brandon Thompson on a deep ball. It was beautiful. But Nayor is going to high point that thing. Whereas if you don't overthrow Brennan, those safeties are going to collide. It's it's 50-50 ball at that point. Nayor doesn't lose 50-50 balls. And so did it change the quarterback race? I don't know if it changed it, but it certainly did not help number three. It certainly did not help Quinn because that was his guy. That was a guy that he had been building a really good connection with. And you take that away from a guy that he's played, what, a handful of snaps in two years? You take that away from a guy that's going to ding you a little bit. And I think that, I think that carried over in the scrimmage last Saturday. I think that's why the quarterback play wasn't as good. They started losing guys. The body language got bad. And then uh, we kind of saw the, you know, when adversity hits, what's going to happen. I don't know if you're reading this, but I've never, I've never uh, been considered the love <laughs> child of uh, Rodney Dangerfield and uh, Randy Quaid before. So, uh, Bobby, and, you get more respect than Rodney Dangerfield ever has. Yeah, I don't know about that, that now. Um, <laughs> with on that note, I'm going to bring in the guy that does get everybody's respect, uh, and that's Jerry Hamilton. <laughs> uh, Jerry, <laughs> you know we Jerry! a little football. Here. Well, how did you let Justin Wells on the show with an Orioles hat? What in the hell's going on? <laughs> Is this a Friday special or something? It's hey, they are in the thick of a playoff Ripken, race Jerry. right now. They're in a playoff race right now, believe it or not. I have a lot of respect for Justin, uh, knowing that they're they're even in it right now. Hey, Jerry. Hey, hey, um, my, my question to Justin, did you wear that to the Longview Texas high scrimmage last night? The Orioles no, hat. No. No, I didn't. This is my Grayson Rodriguez hat. He's the number one prospect in all of Major League Baseball pitching from Central Heights in, in, in Lufkin. Oh, yeah. Gray Rod. And uh, this, is my, this is my Chris Davis Grayson Rodriguez hat. By the way, I know we're talking football, and this is my last baseball comment. Did Brett Beatty from Lake Travis, who signed with Texas, hitting mm-hmm. a home run in his first major league at bat? Yeah, he did. Dad's the basketball coach at Lake Travis. That was awesome. That was, was so cool. I got my, my son pulled a couple of his rookie cards this summer, and I said, Hey, man, you need to stash those. <laughs> hey, guys, uh, Jerry, you guys were both a little bit on the road this week. Where, where were you at uh, most of this week? Um, I was uh, Arlington. Mar- I'm trying to think the days run together. Arlington Martin, Duncanville, uh, Richland High, Daniel Cruz, 2024 center guard. I think he has become the top center guard prospect for Texas, Texas A&M and Oklahoma in the state of Texas after seeing him at camp. Uh, Thursday, Denton Geyer for uh, the morning practice. Then I went to Mansfield Legacy to see Landon Cleveland. Then I had a speaking engagement Thursday night. All right. Um, what about uh, you, you talked about those guys? I know you saw the Duncanville kids. Oh. Colin Simmons is one, and we've already talked about JV and Toviano. Colin Simmons is the edge guy for 2024. That's probably one of the top handful of kids in the country. Is that accurate? 
Yeah, I, I, absolutely. A top 50 kid in the country, maybe top 25. We'll see where it all happens. I mean, these kids haven't played their junior year. So I could say comfortably a top 50 prospect in the country. He could end up in the top 10, 15, 25. Uh, I thought the most interesting thing, first of all, is physically he's gained 10, 15 pounds, and, and it's perfectly proportioned. So he's on the right track physically. I think he said he was 210 the 215 as a sophomore. He's 225, 230 now. Ooh. So he is, he's putting on good weight. Uh, frame looks great. I happen to show up there on media day. I didn't know it was media day. I got lucky, honestly. I think a lot of people said, well, he's Jerry's there because it's media. I got lucky on that. I, I, I call, you guys know I'm very genuine with this stuff. I didn't know it was media day. So I happened to be there the, the best day. Um, you know, and talking to Colin, uh, you know, he mentions really in the interview is going to be up on inside Texas and on three here in about an hour. Uh, but he mentioned about seven schools. He mentioned Florida. LSU, Alabama, Texas, Texas A&M, and Oklahoma were the schools he we, he really went in depth with, with me, um, and and I think those six. Somebody else will be added to that mix, but I think those are the six schools to really watch headed into his junior season, as far as the relationships, the visit he visits he went on this summer uh, that really has his attention. Um, Jeff Banks. Chris Gilbert, and along with Sarker, are, are the big ones early on in the uh, Simmons recruitment. But he said he's talked to almost everybody on the staff, even the offensive side of the ball. So that tells you how much he's coveted by Texas. Hey, hey Jerry, that 15 pounds, that, that that's significant. He yeah. quit playing basketball, right? Yeah. 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 That's it, probably how he was able to do that because he used to tell me going through a basketball season, he would lose all his mass that he would gain in football. Yeah, and I think it's gonna it's gonna make it very interesting for him because I think last year he was more of an athlete as a young kid that was really athletic, really quick. But now, if you add the strength to the frame and that lower trunk, I think you're gonna see him have um, probably as along with being older, more tackles for loss, more pressures on the quarterback. I think you're gonna see it translate pretty quickly against a big time schedule. Now, I mean, if he puts up big numbers this year, it's against some really good players. One of the one of the other uh, news items you broke a little bit this uh, this weekend uh, or this week, Jerry JV and Toviano no longer expected to make a decision prior to his senior year. Um, guys, you guys both cover recruiting uh, very very well. Um, is there any big recruiting news y'all are kind of waiting on, or is it kind of are we kind of walking into the season knowing where the Longhorns are in recruiting at this point? Yeah, I think we're. Uh, I'll, I'll let uh, Justin jump into the Lobo den here in a few minutes, but uh, <laughs> because that's where he's hanging out these days until September 21st. But uh, you know, I think for Texas fans, it's Jalen Hell and Toviano. I think those are the two main names before the official visits Alabama weekend. Deuce Robinson. Does Damon Wilson get that one scheduled? Does a Jordan Hall get that one scheduled? Uh, uh, obviously, a Con is coming in the tenth. I think so. Before the tenth visit weekend. I mean, I think for Texas fans, it's Toviano and it's Jalen Hale. And I think Toviano, I think Justin, I say the same thing. Look, Toviano could commit tomorrow or commit mid-September. And I don't think either one of us would be really surprised. I think he knows how to play the game uh, yeah. to a, better than about anybody. Uh, but I'm going to, I take him at his word because, you know, he told me I was in July at Future 50. I'm considering doing this before the season. And Tuesday said, no, I'm not going to commit before the season. I, I, I want to make the official visits and have a firm decision and not go back on the decision. I tend to believe I take Toviano at his word, and I think that's where he's at with the process. I think LSU and A&M are ahead of everybody else right now. And uh, and, and for Texas fans, they might not like to hear that, but he hasn't been on campus in a long time. I mean, and, 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 and we've been in this business long enough to know that, you know, these kids have to get on campus. So uh, I think, Justin, I would say there's a decent chance he shows up in Texas uh, the second week in September or shortly thereafter. Uh, and I think that's going to be huge for Texas chances. Justin, what are you looking for in recruiting right now? The same. Toviano, you know, I saw him a week before Jerry did, and he's like, yeah, I still kind of think I want to commit before the season. I looked at my watch. I said, buddy, you got like two weeks left. <laughs> and so it just didn't seem reasonable. And so Jerry does his best going following up and making sure. Um, I, I'm with Jerry. I think A&M is probably the small, slight, quiet leader. I think Oregon is the team that, if he goes up there and really enjoys that trip, sometimes those kids get trapped up there. They love – there's not a better recruiting visit than going to Oregon. Those kids will tell you. It's like a spaceship. And so, Toviano's fun. And like Jerry said, he's such a good kid. 
He's so easy to pull for. Yeah, he's having some fun in the recruitment. Let him. He's honest. He doesn't try to fool or trick anybody. Jalen Hill, that one's been a fun one. I've said this before. It took three wide receiver coaches at Texas to finally get through to him. And now that Brennan Marion has built that relationship, and the big thing there is the recruiting class. Jonte Cook and Arch Manning are reaching out to him on a regular basis. Derek Brown on campus is talking to him on a regular basis. Um, Texas looks fantastic. I'm still worried about Alabama. As much as I feel confident it would be Texas today, I'm still worried about Alabama because they have prioritized him. And when they do that, you kind of – you got to take the bet off the table because Saban, they just – they have ways of persuasion. <laughs> and so – but Jalen will be on campus on the 10th. Uh, he – like he said – I think he's already kind of got a decision. He told me that last night. He just kind of wants to see the atmosphere at Texas. He wants to see what the games are like. He wants to see what the crowd's going to be like. I think these kids kind of already know what they want to do. The official visits are just a formality towards the end, at least in this cycle. And so Toviano's one that I'd say I'd agree with Jerry. I think A&M and I think Oregon's a little bit more on that side of it. But because I don't know if LSU's going to have room, but he's not one you turn down. I, I totally understand that, too. But they've locked up a bunch of DBs already. And so it'll be interesting to see how that pulls out. Texas has three wide receivers in the boat. Jalen Hale would make number four. They want four in this cycle. If it's not Jalen Hale, I could see him staying on Mikael Harrison pilot. That one seems like it wants to take the duration into, in, into, the, into the season. And so right now, I think that's where we're at with, with guys before that you know, September 10th official visit game against Bama. Um, Justin, guy wants to hear about the Longview players. I, I want to I I answer for you on that, uh, the Taylor Tatum, oh, really? because you had already addressed this earlier, uh, so I don't want to take too much time, but Taylor Tatum, uh, the running back, you said had five carries and three touchdowns. Is that right? His first five carries, three touchdowns. His first <laughs> five carries. Jerry's a uh, – well, wait, 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 what happened on the other two? Did he trip over the 30-yard line or what? <laughs> <laughs> Listen – Man, Taylor is an outstanding prospect. Baseball is going to be a key thing for Tatum because he is also a baseball prospect. He traveled all summer long playing with select baseball teams. But last night, he got he's the starting running back now for Longview. And you know Longview, John King, ground and pound, control the clock, control the ball. Taylor Tatum said, I'm just going to take it to the house. And, and Texas High has lost some guys. Let's, let's yeah. don't get it twisted. They've lost yeah, some yeah. guys. Right. They're a little down. Hey, what about what, what about the safety Willie Nelson? Willie Nelson, instinctive. You know, this is a guy, he's playing safety now. The entire secondary returned at starters, and they're still all underclassmen. He led East Texas in interceptions last year. He's barely 5'10", maybe 165, 170. Oklahoma's offered. Oklahoma State's offered. Houston's in the mix. Uh, there's a handful of other schools that have reached out. Willie Nelson is going to be a guy like a Travian Howard. He's not going to get he's not going to get a lot of attention. He's not going to get a ton of, of 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 hoopla around his recruitment because of his size. Then he's going to wind up going somewhere and being spectacular. That's kind of where I see Willie Nelson. I think an interesting part to that Bobby in twenty twenty four is Willie Nelson. By the way, who could maybe could have the coolest commitment of all time if he does it right. Whenever he gets ready to. Okay, that's one I'm really zeroed in on. And Corey and Gibson, they're both guys that are more undersized, slider the build than you would actually when you ideally want. But they're both really, really good football players. I think Willie Nelson's got a chance to ascend big time this year. Um, one of the things I didn't mention in the travels this week, and I think it's something to really watch in the 2024 class, is the importance of Texas moving to the SEC and the way kids are reacting to it. And I'm sure Justin's here. Here's the same thing. Uh, but if you ask kids, you know, how does that Texas, you can, you know, Texas and Oklahoma move into the SEC, how does that impact the way you look at those programs? It's incredibly favorable um, for the 2024 class of kids, uh, as it should be, because look, these kids have grown up and they've watched the SEC win the national championship, the Heisman, the awards, and then the NFL draft. So I think it's going to impact Texas and OU in a favorable way starting in that 2024 class because the kids are it, it they want to talk about it they want to comment on it uh and whether it's landon cleveland colin simmons anybody i've talked to i i think it's it's something for texas fans uh to be uh, cognizant of 
Okay. Hey, uh, um, Justin, I want to let you go here pretty quick. I know you got to run. Jerry's going to stay with me. Um, Justin, one question I had uh, was about um, Jonathan Brooks and Jaden Blue. Um, apparently, some folks are reporting uh, that uh, Blue uh, is being uh, uh, is recruiting. How do I want to say? It, has jumped Brooks in the in the uh, depth chart. But Brooks did not participate in practice on Tuesday because he was ill. I'm not sure he's actually jumped him as much as Brooks been sidelined a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah. I, 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 we can't confirm that, that Jaden Blue's done that. I, I think Jonathan Brooks has been sick over the last few days. And in his absence, you know, Jaden Blue has shot in there and got, got some reps. We saw the same thing on Tuesday night with Rashawn Johnson. He was out there in his flats but not working out. Jaden Blue got some extra reps. Keelan Robinson got some extra reps. Hell, we saw the walk-on getting some run as well. That's what I feel like it is right now. I And it's not a slide on Jaden Blue. Jonathan Brooks is, is, is more experienced. He's a better running back right now. He's just a little ill, and I think that's where you're probably hearing that. I think Bobby muted himself, Justin. I did. Is that, so, is that better, so guys? Bobby, we got it. Mute yourself. We'll keep going. <laughs> Justin, hey, Justin, thanks for thanks for being here, dude. I'm going to go ahead and talk uh, with Jerry I'll be, now. Okay, bud. I'll be at the Aaron Hampton Spectacular Show tonight in Atlanta, Texas. Hampton's promised me multiple touchdowns for the 2024 Texas commit. Hey, Please Bobby tune in to InsideTexas.com. Bobby has one request. He wants a photo of Randy Garner 25 years later. <laughs> That'll be tough. Randy Garner can play some ball now. But I'll do I'll do my best, brother. I'll do my best. See you on the road, Jerry. I appreciate right, it. Hey, I, I got a couple questions here we're going to talk about real quick. Um, any update on Troy O'Meara? Uh, I'm going to take that one, Jerry. Uh, O'Meara was at practice on Tuesday, continues to practice with the team, but was not in live drills. Uh, you know, frankly – it would have been the same practice three years. This would have been the, the second practice. No, the third year in a row that he would have been practicing on this day. The last two times he's done it on that day, he ended up getting tearing an ACL. So I don't have a problem with him, him sitting out uh, in that live practice uh, video or live practice uh, situation that we were there on uh, all four uh, later or earlier this this week, Jerry. Um, Jerry, you hearing anything else right now as far as the team that you want to talk about? Um, you know, not really other than I think as, as talented, as high as the expectations were for the freshman offensive linemen, I think they've met them all. I think they're meeting that expectation. Obviously, Cole Hudson being an early enrollee zipped right past his expectation, right? And I, I think that's a really strong sign uh, for the future of the program um, is – if you looked at one position in the in the in the, of all the recruits that have been signed by Steve Sarkeesian and his staff that had the hit, it's the offensive line, and I think the early returns are very favorable for that. And I think that sets up the future of the program. When, when you really look at where Texas has struggled, um, it, it, and there's been a number of areas, right, all the way in the leadership or what have you, but for a single position. When you look at the players that come out of the state of Texas and you look at the players available to recruit at Texas, um, you know, there's not it's hard for people to be OK with. Well, they have had one guy drafted off the offensive line in so many years. The state produces too many big athletic bodies for that. So the fact that a Kelvin Banks is going to be your starting left tackle, barring the unforeseen that Cam Williams is going to push Christian Jones, and I predict he wins the job at some point this year. Cole Hudson is starting at right guard. DJ Campbell started at right guard. Some of it's out of necessity, yes. But if those kids came in unprepared, they wouldn't be making the moves that early, bottom line. So I think it's a group that's not only talented, but has proven that they can handle the film room, the weight room, and all the things Kyle Flood's put in front of them. I think that that I was talking. This is uh, speaking with Jerry Hamilton of On Three and InsideTexas.com right now, live chat. Uh, Jerry, one thing that was interesting uh, to me about Cole Hudson, you mentioned. I, I want to report this. Uh, we did not name his injury early in the week um, uh, on purpose. 
Uh, thank you, Texas Tattoo, by the way. But we didn't name his injury, injury uh, on on purpose, but he is in the concussion protocol. So just so everybody understands, that's where he was this week. He's expected to either get out of it, I think, today or tomorrow. I'm not sure if he's participating in, in the scrimmage. So we can go ahead and uh, talk about that publicly now. I didn't want to do it early in case there might be something else going on uh, as well. Uh, but the other offensive linemen, other freshman offensive linemen I'm hearing are, are healthy and ready to go. Uh, Hudson was replaced uh, in the, in the uh, Tuesday practice by De Devon or DJ Campbell. I'm going to change what I call him from now on because he wants to be called DJ. Uh, but all of those guys, from, from what I saw, not only do they look the part, Jerry, they play the part for, at a young age. I mean, yeah. Ryan Irwin last night, I was talking to him. He said that his biggest thing is they're young still. So can he get can flood coach flood get that extra two tenths of a second or three tenths of a second out of them to stick with their guys? Because once they get that, then they're no longer freshmen, right? Yeah. Then they're the guys that that can be there. And you know, it looks like Texas is going to rely on Cole Hudson and, and Kelvin Banks for sure. DJ Campbell may be the first one off the bench. We just don't know yet. Cam Williams could could end up uh, overtaking Christian Jones at right tackle. I think that it's just uh, uh, one of those things that uh, that uh, we have to watch over time. Uh, Jerry, I'm going to let you take this one from uh, Mr. Sorrell here. I think he may have a vested interest in this in this question uh, and appreciate him uh, coming in and talking to us today. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, uh, the edge guys are going to be they're going to be in it's going to be an improved group. I think Baron Sorrell, obviously a year in the program. Looks like he's in tremendous shape. I mean, I, that's that's the first thing when you look at him. You see uh, the body development from year one to year two, and I think that's with most kids in the college game. Um, but I think, look, I mean, I think he's a guy that, that Texas staff can depend on, and they know they can depend on. And uh, there's a lot to be said for having a professional mindset at a young age when you get on the field early. Um, I think, you know, you – Ethan, Ethan Burke has to be showing some signs of that as well to get first team reps in situationals Tuesday night. Um, so I think there's some, I think there's a lot of positive movement there. I think that's a develop, uh, guys have to develop there as pass rushers. I think people, one of the things I think maybe we make a mistake of in our business is saying edge rusher and people just think he's going to come in to college football and sack the quarterback, right? There's not a lot of those guys that are actually legitimate that are just going to come in and go get 10, 12 sacks as freshmen. I still think there's a ton of development as far as how learning to rush the passer, learning to use your, your long levers, your leverage, uh, learning to use your hands. And uh, so all the things that go with that pass rush. And I, so I think it's, it's, these guys are all developing that. And, and I think you're going to see improvements in the guys who have been in year one, the year two in the program. Then I think you're going to see a guy like Ethan Burke really, improve from that Tuesday night practice to game seven this season. Yeah. I think that the difference between Sorrell and Finkley is that Sorrell is a little bit further along. Yes. Um, and, and so when I watched, uh, and I know you were the same one, we, we paid quite a bit of attention to it, right? Sorrell yeah. is not necessarily a, a sack guy as he is long-term, a strong side defensive end. That's where his body is going right now. Whereas Ethan Burke, the guy on the other side, it's more of that pass rusher, right, Jerry? Right. Um, right. And so it's very interesting how Texas is going to do this because they also want to get and how they're going to implement a Sorrell into the game plan because they want to get DeMarvian overshone outside as much as possible too, right, uh, to improve the pass rush. So that that is a, an, an interesting aspect of it uh, as we look at what's going on there. Uh, hey, uh, Jerry, another question I want to get your take on it and – I've talked to Justin about it. I've talked to some other guys as well. And that's the quarterback spot. Um, you know, I, I think you can go a couple different ways here. Um, it, it's looking like Hudson Card is leading the quarterback race right now. He's been running with the ones, the first one out of the gate in almost every uh, practice. So uh, that, that looks like it right now. But Ann Sarkeesian came out yesterday and said, hey, uh, I think I know who my starter is. At the same time, in the very next breath, Sark says, but it's a competition for a reason, and we're not going to say – we're probably not going to say anything until after Saturday's scrimmage. So this will be the second scrimmage. Um, 
Justin and I talked about who looked better in the scrimmage, who didn't, and that sort of thing. Um, you were there as well. What, what did you think of the two quarterbacks uh, based on what they actually did? Um, and how much importance do you place uh, really on uh, on what's going on at quarterback versus what's going on uh, elsewhere across the team? And it looks like you're having problems with the, the camera, but I want to ask you that question. Yeah, um, g- give me one second, Bobby. I, I, I'm literally sitting outside, and it's pouring down rain on me right now. So, <laughs> but we're gonna we're, we're walking as we answer this. Um, yeah, I, I my take on it is, um, I, I think Hudson Card has the athleticism. He has really good feet, right? And I think he can maybe make some off schedule plays with his feet if things break down. Um, I think he's really knows the system, so that gives him a leg up. Um, I think he is a guy who is going to be good in the short passing game. He's going to get the ball out on time. He's going to do all those things required. Um, so I think that is a, uh, I think that is his strength right now is time in the system and understanding of what uh, Coach Sarkeesian ideally wants. Right, so. I think the, sorry about that. We're almost there, guys. Um, but uh, I think so. I think this is kind of fun TV in a way. I feel, I, where's Where's Jim Cantori? Um, but uh, so I think that's kind of his strength, right? And I think where he's got to get better if he wins, if he's named the starter, where he has to improve is he has to hit deep balls. He has to re, because Texas has to be able to stretch the field. I, I just you have to be able to stretch the field to maximize everything that Sarkeesian wants to do in the offense with the route tree and uh, and just his his offensive scheme and that also that also helps maximize Bijan Robinson. So I think that's going to be the key for Hudson Card is keeping his eyes down the field under duress and delivering the ball down the field. Um, I've always thought. I've yes, back to the car. Yes, uh, sitting outside, and then it starts pouring down rain. I was trying to enjoy not a hot, hot morning. Um, I think with Quinn, that is his strength. That that is his strength is throwing the ball down the field. I think Bobby, you said something. We were watching the practice Tuesday night, and you said he sees it, and, and that's the that's one of the probably the most underrated part about being a guy that throws the deep ball well and the vertical routes well is seeing it early and getting the ball out with timing. It's one thing to have the arm strength Quinn has, but I think he sees the deep ball. And I think he has a great feel for it. And I think he's really accurate with it, maybe because he sees it early. So the, the, so the next part for Quinn is, look, he's gonna, he has a little bit of a riverboat gambler mentality. And I don't, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing, right? I think you have to have an aggressive mindset. Um, so, the, the key part of that is then really zeroing in and understanding the scheme, right? And understanding uh, when to have that riverboat gambler mentality and when not to. Um, because I do think you can't have that all the time. I think you have to channel it. Uh, but I really think that Quinn's ability to throw the ball down the field um, – as the season goes on, if he's not named the starter, it gives him a great opportunity to ultimately win the job. Got it. Um, speaking with Jerry Hamilton of InsideTexas.com, live chat here on, on Texas football. Uh, I'm going to take this next one, Jerry, real quick, because I actually happen to know a little bit about it. How is Alfred Collins? Collins is still out. Um, uh, he was injured late last week before the scrimmage uh, and uh, is has been out, and I think he's going to be out a couple more weeks. Uh, just like I still think uh, Roshan Johnson is expected to be out a couple more weeks. Uh, We do expect um, uh, Cole Hudson, the offensive lineman, if you hadn't heard earlier, uh, we expect him to be back any day now. Uh, He's been in the the, uh, concussion protocol. Jerry, I want to ask you this question because this is uh, something I wrote about today, actually, uh, is – NIL and what Texas is doing in the NIL round. I mentioned a, a, a group called Horns with Heart, uh, a.k.a. the Pancake Factory. Um, if you haven't uh, read about them I, and you're a Texas fan, I think they're a great organization. Uh, but this is interesting. Do we see record levels of decommits across the nation this year driven 
by underhanded, not above board, but underhanded NIL deals? Um, I, I, I don't know if I go that far. I don't know what you would say to that, Bobby. I don't know if I would go that far. Um, look, I, I, if a team struggles, they start losing games and that opens the door. I, I think that's all natural stuff that happens, but I, I'm not one that thinks that it, it's going to be prevalent, right. To that, to answer that question, precise, exactly what he asked about the underhanded stuff. I'm not sure that's really going to be prevalent. I think we recruiting today is, his kids commit so early, there's going to be more decommitments on the back end, right? There, and that's been a trend uh, for five, six, seven years now. Um, and there's two signing periods, right? I mean, so that's the race to get the kids to sign in December is going to create the early commitments and then more decommitments. I think that's natural. Um, but I don't think necessarily you're going to see a larger number of those guys uh start flipping because of underhanded NIL deals. Um, I don't know what your opinion is on that, Bobby. I think it's just going to be more the natural part of recruiting. Um, you know, the, the mo one of the differences in recruiting now for me is when a kid commits to a college, how is the season impact him when kids start entering in the portal, right? Um, what happens then? I, I think the portal is going to create more decommitments if the timing is right. Because there's one thing you know from talking to the high school prospects off, off the record, they're all watching that because that truly impacts everybody wants to get on the field as soon as possible. And you can commit to a school, then somebody comes from the transfers from the portal into that school, and that changes how quickly you can ideally get on the field. I think the portal is going to cause more decommitments than NIL is. I don't know what your thoughts are. Um, yeah, I, I think that that that's a that that is an issue, uh, right? Uh, that uh, um, I think that nil decisions are made with that in mind already. A lot of times, um, the thing that I think is people have to say there's not this big disparity between what guys are getting one place in nil versus another, right? And so that's already kind of baked into the, to the decision for the most part, in my opinion. They already have thought about this. Well, if I go here, I can get this versus there and get something else. It's pretty much the same, I think, at, at most places is what it seems like to me. And so really it is coming down to recruiting. Uh, of course, there will be anomalies. I'm not saying there aren't. And, and at the same time, I don't see this drove of decommitments, which no. was the original question. I do see some uh, happening uh, over a, a long a period of time. People asking, uh, when is the scrimmage tomorrow? I think it gets started around 10 o'clock. Uh, kids are supposed to be out on the practice field around 930 or so. Uh, I think the scrimmage uh, goes at 10. It is not open to the public, uh, so be aware of that. Don't try to go out there and uh, knock your way in. Uh, but uh, that that is uh, one of those things. I do want to ask this, and, and this goes back. I, I think it's a, a two-part question. Uh, from a couple of different guys or from one, one guy that I think is, is on, he's on target a little bit. Um, and why I agree with this is because Texas last year really wore down in the second half on defense in particular. And a lot of that was because they didn't have much success on offense in a lot of games in the second half. And uh, they had problems staying up. This is card and it ties into the quarterback piece, right? Is Card the better choice to help to to help uh, control the clock, maybe, and keep the defense from tiring out? If he's better on the underneath stuff and really understands the offense better, Jerry, does it is that part of the the equation to it? Quarterback, you think? I I kind of feel like it does. Just giving throwing my two cents out there. Well, you know, I, I think that's a great question. First of all, because. I, when I watched Texas last year, and this is respect for Sark as a play caller, he, I loved how aggressive he is. Big plays, and there was a lot of three and outs, and that's not all. That's not all on him, right? You had quarterback that was injured. You had a lot of when Jordan Whittington went down. You had an offensive line uh, in a first year with a new system. So yeah, I think there's a lot of truth in that, and, and so I think that is one of the key things for Texas offensively this year is how do they help the defense, right? How do they keep a a year older, more experienced defense, a little fresher. I, I, and I think that's a big part of football, right? I mean, 
um, trying to f- find that perfect balance of being aggressive on offense in a in a game that's tailor made for scoring a lot of points through the rules of the game nowadays, but also still helping your defense out. Um, at least while you're building your program until you have the depth exactly where you want it, right? I mean, and it's all kind of fits into the equation, um, and that's part of program building. So, yeah, I think there has to be uh, a, a little bit more of a – and I think there will be more of a focus to some more extended drives. But a lot of that, Bobby, comes down to not as many three and outs, right? I mean, the three – more than the quick three-play touchdown drives, it's the three and outs that really tire a defense over time. You know, I mean, it, you watch the Oklahoma State game last year was one, right? In the second half, it was just like, whoa. I mean, uh, so it's interesting because the time of possession looks the same in the box score. But it that doesn't really tell the whole story. And I'll say one other thing I forgot to mention on that recruiting question. The coaching carousel is always going to create more decommitments than anything else. That's what's going to create the decommitments is the coaching carousel. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think that, that if we can see – uh, if we, if Oregon last year is a perfect example, right? I mean, there's no chance uh, that that didn't help Texas tremendously with Cam Williams and Kelvin Banks. Another of other, a number of other guys left Oregon as well. Uh, and so I, I just, I'm a big believer that in that and that aspect of, of recruiting, it's just that that idea. Jerry, um, I'm I'm looking at. Texas this year and after watching them practice uh, and talking not only to you and, and other guys there, Brian Irwin, Eric Nalene, Justin, Joe Cook, um, the more and more I think about it, uh, the more and more I feel like Texas is more talented this year, even though they're younger. Yeah. Um, and, and that is something that Sark has been harping on uh, pretty much since the spring. I think that 50 some odd guys of the 85 scholarships are sophomore, freshmen or sophomores. Um, and thinking about after that practice, it wasn't so much that I, I thought that there were parts of that practice that were not sharp, right? Well, juniors and seniors tend to practice better than freshmen and sophomores. Less drops, um, more tighter going between drills, understanding the routes better, uh, you know, going quicker through the uh, the sleds and all, all of those things because they're just, you know, they're, they're used to it. Um, what did you make of just the youth overall of the team? And at the same time, the talent level vis-a-vis what you saw last year at the same time? Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's a more talented football team. There's good there. I looked out there and said there's more future NFL draft picks. Now, that's not the 2023 NFL draft to your point, right? Um, I think what driving around this uh, state of Texas, uh, uh, like my crazy self does, I, I'll tell you what my thoughts were, especially before the speaking engagement last night at the uh, Fort Worth, Texas X's, which we do every year, um, is how many positions do I think Texas is A, more talented, or B, improved headed into this season? Um, I think quarterback's somewhat of a toss-up, I think, because I've always been you have to go do it in games. I mean, there's nothing like taking a ball, here's 100,000 people in the stands, and go win a football game. I mean, that's just a different position. I think Texas is better at running back than they were last year, and that's not a knock on the guys that were there. Bijan Robinson's a junior. He's two years into this program. Roshan Johnson's a senior, is a great leader. Uh, Jonathan Brooks is a year older. Jaden Blues entered the program as a early enrollee. Um, Keelan Robinson, another year. I think running backs better. I think wide receivers better as long as Jordan Whittington stays healthy. You know, because I think when he got hurt last year and Xavier Worthy was the guy, and that's tough because Marcus Washington was never consistent catching the ball. Well, I think wide receivers better even after the injury to Isaiah Nayor. I think Casey Kane is going to be similar to Marcus Washington, but catches the football with more consistency. I think Savion Red gives you a freshman that you can put in the slot that's physically ready to compete for the ball. I think Tariq Milton's going to catch the football and is going to be reliable. I think Brennan Thompson's going to score five or six touchdowns over the top this year that you didn't have last year just because of his sheer speed. We'll see what Ajay Hall brings. I don't think there's any question tight ends better this year. I think it's a better position. It's a more talented position. Offensive line, I think tight end may be the most improved position in the program 
headed into this season. Offensive line is going to be better because there's more future NFL draft picks there, but they are going to give up some sacks. They're going to miss the B-gap assignment. It's going to happen, but it's a more talented group. And by the time conference rolls around, there are a couple of games in the conference, it's going to be a much improved group. Defensive line, I think, is going to be better. It's just they're a year older. It's a second year in the program. The edges added some talents. A guy like uh, Ethan Burke who has a chance to really develop. Uh, I think the depth is better at those positions. I think linebacker and tight end are the most improved positions in the program. I think Jalen Ford's a really good player. I think Tucker Dorsey has instincts. I think he's going to make plays. I think moving over Shona around is going to make him a better player. Um, I, I think cornerback, you had Ryan Watch, you had a young kid like Terrence Brooks. Uh, so I think the talent level is up a little bit there. Safety, I think those guys have to go prove it, but I think there's some really, I think there's some good players there. And as poorly as some of the guys played last year, I think it's an upgrade. That one position, I'm not sure, I don't think can be as good as kicker. As kicker. And that can impact the wins and losses after all the things we just talked about. So to answer your question, I know it's long-winded, Texas is more talented. And I think they've improved at a number of positions. Now, the kicker has to make the kicks. The quarterbacks have to play well, I think, for those eight, five wins to eight to nine wins to see it translate on the field. But Texas is headed in the right direction. Yeah, I, I, that's, I feel that, too. I mean, that's, that's my overwhelming thought that I saw more talent out there. You said it the very first time. I saw more talent overall out there on Tuesday than I saw a year ago at yep. the same time. No doubt. Now, the age of that talent and experience of it is a different story. That being said, the two best players, make no mistake, the two best players on that field were B. John Robinson and Xavier Worthy, yeah. who are both more experienced this year. So we'll see how that helps in the trajectory of the program. I want to say this. Uh, please consider um, subscribing to our YouTube channel. All you have to do is uh, subscribe to it. Also, hit the like button. Uh, we appreciate your support uh, in that regard. It helps us uh, get seen and heard uh, from more people. Um, Jerry, I want to ask you one last question. I'm going to finish uh, before we get finished with this hour. I want to ask you a recruiting question uh, to kind of end it up. And, and this comes from a, a guy named Cody Martelin. Who is the highest upside recruit in the class other than Arch Manning right now, in your opinion? Uh, I think it's the other on three consensus five-star Derek Williams. Um, and I say that because after visiting Westgate High New I down in New Iberia last week, you know, you always learn something when you get on out on the road. And this is why we get on out on, out on the road. Uh, his father is between 6'5 and 6'6. His mother's 5'11, 6 foot. Okay. He doesn't turn 18 till January, which I already knew that. But I didn't realize how big the people in his family were. And when you talk to the Westgate staff, you know, when they say, hey, this kid may end up being 6'2", 6'3", 220 pounds one day, that's a total different visual than a six-foot-and-a-half, 180-pound guy I watched work out and have watched on tape. And to have that physicality he has um, and watching him in person, how explosive his natural movement is um, and just how sudden he is. And you think about what would that guy look like if – just say he gets to 6'2", 210, 215, half the way there to where they think he can go. That is a pretty hellacious prospect at safety. I mean, that's a difference maker type of player. Um, so he's one guy I really look at. You know, another one that I think has – and this is weird too because he's the number one ranked running back in the country, but Cedric Baxter. And I say that because, again, seeing him in person, Bobby, he's a, similar to the kids that come out of Florida. And, yeah, when you say he's 6'1", 217 or 215, people think, wow, man, he's really physically developed. But it's actually the opposite. He's naturally strong in his lower body. He's got that definition. But in his upper body, he's like a Florida kid. I mean, the biggest difference between tech, state of Texas and state of Florida is there's not 10 full-time coaches. There's not a daily athletic period in the public schools. And the whole system's not set up like that, like Texas is. So these kids come out of Florida with a lot higher ceilings just from that standpoint. And Cedric Baxter's one of those guys. So when I say 6'1", 215, that doesn't mean he's close to a finished product. He is far from a finished product physically. So his upside, even though he's ranked the number one running back in the country, I think that's why he's so intriguing for Charles Power, myself, and, and, and probably you as well, Bobby, is he, he's not, you know, Cedric Benson coming out of high school where you're like, okay, this guy's really physically developed. You know what he's going to be. 
Cedric Baxter can keep going like ascending and keep going like this. Yeah, some great players in that recruiting class right now, the 2023 recruiting class uh, for the Longhorns. All right, uh, Jerry, I appreciate you being with us. Uh, I also appreciate all the fans uh, that uh, showed up to talk a little Longhorn sports with us. Uh, Please join us again. Uh, We've got some more stuff coming up over the next few days. We've got uh, another chat going on Tuesday as well. Uh, But uh, join us each and every day at InsideTexas.com, where Jerry, myself, Eric Nalin, Joe Cook, Justin Wells, Ian Boyd, Paul Wadlington, uh, the whole crew. Uh, we're there on Inside Texas on, on the daily. Uh, you can check out the Humidor. It's an insider scoop piece that was just posted uh, earlier today on the Inside Texas message board as well. So for uh, Jerry Hamilton, uh, as well as Justin Wells, who joined us earlier, I'm Bobby Burton, and that's been On Texas Football Live.